so just to set the ball rolling actually i think um, uh, in our medical education i mean we all are involved in some way or the other i think there are two levels at which this education should take place uh, one of course is the outer the technical part and well it's been done to the best of abilities i'm sure but i think the big challenge for a doctor and for um, anyone for that matter in any for any professional is that uh, we also need to um, pursue this education at an another inner and deeper level so because you know especially in medicine we are encountering uh, the vulnerability of human beings and uh, as doctors i suppose you know we Uh, partly because of the nature of medicine and partly because you know we can manipulate the body in in many ways and partly by the faith invested by the patients we may believe that you know we are we can play god but you know wisdom comes and we know we can't play god because uh, the many things which take place behind the scene behind behind just the physical appearance uh, there are fears there are hopes there are unspoken things there are myths in the patient's mind and and i feel um, it'll be nice if medical students can grow up and be equipped to deal with it so you know i can start with one of the recent examples um, in ashram we see many such examples where uh, patients um, you know extraordinary cases not just of survival but the way they uh, they, they face the illness the way they go through so most recently i i'll just uh, share an experience you know which i had with a leukemia patient now this lady was very fit and fine and uh, just a week back she came for fever and we got a tlc done i mean just a routine hb tlc dlc and to my surprise and everybody else's surprise the leukocyte count was uh, 12 lakhs something you know not not 1 lakh something so initially it took me time to let the whole thing sink in and the jipma doctors also so when she went she was admitted a very fine lady with very nice um, you know inner state in her mid 40s so uh, one of the questions that she had which she was hesitating to ask and i think a question which everybody asks when one is confronted with death at a young age is why me so this was one of her questions I, i suppose you know we are normally not equipped to respond to such a query and one of the things in our context is patients often feel have i done some fault is there a mistake you know particularly some of them come with a karmic background and they believe that they have done some bad karmas and these questions need to be addressed so this was one of the things because otherwise uh one the patient's mind is filled with all kinds of uh, guilt and fears about oneself at the same time they are facing the unknown so there is a double fear that you know what's going to happen what's going to happen so one of the things that at least um, i like to do is to deal with the person and not just with the uh, sick person so there is a difference so there is of course the sickness part where the person is not well and we need to address it and there are competent people to address it but to deal with the person so one of the things is to not to focus only on the illness so a standard routine is uh, that a doctor goes and you know he uh, he starts asking uh, how are you keeping and how's your you know 
temperature? Is there any infection? Is there any pain? But we seldom interact with the person. So very often when, uh, let's say in, in this meeting, um, more important question for me was that, how are you facing it? So we know there is a problem. But how are you facing it? And what she said was something which was amazing. And you know, that that's something which I want to share. She said, more than my own suffering, I am, you know, I am thinking how much the divine would be suffering because he has to take upon himself all this suffering that we experience. So she wants to remain in a very happy state, inwardly a healthy state of mind. And I thought that's a big vantage point. So I'm just sharing that um, so much we can learn from the patients, at least some of these uh, who may be very simple but, uh, you know, they, they evolve ways and means to not just cope, but to deal with it. Another thing is that I think we focus too much on the physical body or the physical organism. And it's important to also see the other dimension. That means to continue to nurture and nourish uh, that dimension which is independent of the body. So what I do and what I've been doing like this patient and many others, that let's not talk just about the illness. Let's talk about in general, you know, uh, what is it that you would like to do and uh, how would you like to spend your time? And very often I read Savitri or I just sit there and meditate and they feel very nice. There is such a wonderful peace and uh, atmosphere there. So I think these are um, some of the aspects that we need to, you know, uh, deal with a person. That, you know, we should take speak to the person as uh, one human being to another and keep nourishing the deeper parts. So very often, like for instance, uh, you know, I have another boy, another example who has progressive muscular dystrophy. And again, we know that, you know, he is gradually losing his faculties. He can barely uh, lift his hand to eat. He has to be fed. But when he comes to me, I very often ask him that, look, have you been watching the cricket? So what's happening with IPL? And it goes on like that. And then I speak about, okay, did you read Savitri a page today? Yes, I read it. So would you like to discuss something about it? So from that we go on and at the end we come to the body. So how are you doing otherwise? I mean, what all are you able to do? What would you like to do? So I think it's important to address the totality of a human being and not just uh, the physical aspect. And very often as doctors, we... We obviously are trained to look at that side and we just unwittingly forget that there is a total totality of the human being which we need to address. Uh, the big problem is of course time and I don't know how uh, given our present structure where there are too many clients and too few uh, doctors let alone doctors who are sensitive to deal with these deeper issues but this is I think the main thing to bring out this aspect and to nourish the deeper parts by whatever means, through music, through through mantras, through simply meditating, sometimes to just hold the hand, to make them feel loved and cared. I mean, they shouldn't feel that, uh, you know, we, we sometimes uh, take within us their fears. And uh, when we go to see them, we are looking at somebody who is going to die. No, we should look at them as somebody who is living and has a zest for life. And probably just hold the hand to smile, to make them feel loved and cared. So what? So I think these are uh, uh, very important issue. And um, another aspect which I feel where we 
need to really work upon is uh, I have seen these two extremes. There are, of course, doctors in close connection with Jipmer. Um, I go and see some of these patients who believe in too much of intervention, and which is okay. But I am not too sure whether uh, dealing with a terminal illness in a very violent way uh, is really a very wise thing to do. I, I can't say that I have the perfect answer because right now that's the protocol, you know. Um, you violently want to excise the illness. I believe that if the roots remain, it bounces back. So that's why we have these relapses. And at some level, we can address it by bringing in that dimension where uh, people begin to understand that, you know, illness is not just something to be violently rooted out, but to take away the roots while deal with your body with all the gentleness and care it requires. So sometimes, um, you know, I give them some exercises that look, you know, you you talk to your body, talk to your cells, uh, tell your healthy cells that we need you. And, um, you know, like, for example, in this leukemia patient now, uh, you know, the total leukocyte has come down to 1000. Obviously, it kills the normal cells also. So uh, I want this lady, I tell her to, you know, speak to the healthy cells that we need you. And you you must be going through a little bit of discomfort, suffering. But uh, but look, you know, we need you very much. And it's just part of the process. At the same time, to tell these cells which have become unhealthy and which are multiplying that, look, you know, uh, we would like you to be at peace. There is no need to go berserk. There is no need to become so restless and multiply. So I think to deal with the body as if it's a conscious and living body. So this is the you know, second aspect which I feel it will be nice if students can understand and learn that we are dealing with a body which is a conscious body and which is a living body and which can be made more and more conscious. So instead of just you know, dealing with it as a very mechanical object, so these are the two immediate thoughts which come to my mind. And third is that, uh, you know, if uh, we can allow a state of quietude, somehow very often, you know, uh, visitors come, they bring in their anxieties, not just infections. And there should be a way, maybe doctors cannot address, but if the nursing staff can address to these visitors, that while you are visiting, don't throw your anxieties. You know, each one comes with their own ideas that, you know, go there, go here. And I think it, it disturbs the basic uh, harmony which is building up because it brings a lot of conflicts in the mind of the patient. I'm just speaking of something which I observe, you know, very often that the person was progressing well, was in a state of quietude and a visitor comes and he says, you know, try this hospital, try that therapy. And it leads to a great confusion. So we need to tell the visitors that while, you know, you are well-meaning, but you must understand that uh, it's not so easy if everybody comes and gives their own advices. How will the person cope? How will he decide? So I think this is a third thing where we need to, uh, in some way, maybe there could be a small little pamphlet which, you know, can be handed over to the visitors, which informs them, educates them that you are part of a team. You, you have to play that part consciously. Most of them uh, bring their own fears. And I have seen sometimes visitors see and remark, oh my God, you were doing so well. What happened? We are very sorry. All this is very harmful, very unhealthy. So some kind of a little booklet for those who are visiting a patient. I mean, there are a lot of studies now on that, on mirror neurons and you know how a smile from a visitor. 
and i feel visitors should address the healthy part of a patient leave the sick part in the care of the <laughs> professionals who are technically equipped so when they start asking questions like you know how much is it growing uh, what is the cell count etc it does no good so it's it's good that they come and address the healthy part for example uh, how's your appetite would you like to eat a little more how do you feel inside do you feel strong enough and give courage and hope rather than you know just deal with the technical part so this is the third thing i think a fourth thing is of course with the staff and the doctors for example um, again so many times i have seen that doctors uh, a patient is doing very well is living in a state of inner faith and trust that all will be well but the doctor comes with statistical figures that look you know according to the literature you have a survival chances of 20% now for a patient this statistics means nothing for a patient you know it's either 100% or 0% you know so um, even if let's say it's a 20% survival it means that 20% can actually have a 5 year survival rate so let's uh, you know uh, not reduce patients to statistics so it's very important to train the medical staff and the uh, doctors that patient is not a statistics for him either he is living or he is not living now you know even the statistics can be look at it like in this way that if there is a 1% chance of survival maybe you are that 1% we don't know uh, we use the word markers and you know everything but at the end of the day let's admit that nobody can play god and prognosticate with an absolute certainty what's going to happen so let's do our best and live in the present it's a wonderful exercise very often i uh, give this to patients that look you know Uh, let's talk about today what's going to happen after 6 weeks nobody knows so let's talk about today how are you feeling today and in the morning how are you feeling today how are you going to face today and as things come we will face them as and when it comes so this is the fourth important thing to learn to live in the present and optimize it because it optimizes the resources optimizes our energy optimizes everything and you know fills us with trust otherwise already we are thinking you know another few months the patient is going to die and it's not going to help anyone so i think this is a fourth very simple practice the uh, the other part is that you know um, of course we all carry our own atmosphere it's so important to work upon it so i mean it may sound very preposterous but doctors teachers all of us you know who are in some way or the other connected with world should also be inwardly uh, uh, well at least uh, neophyte yogis at least we should cultivate an inner peace so that when we go we help the patient feel peace when you know when we meet the patient he should be full of hope so i have seen that sometimes doctors uh, meet a patient and the doctors is full of fear the relatives are full of fear and it's contagious so um, all these things uh, i i feel that it will be very nice if it can be cultivated or uh, put in some way in the curriculum uh, where in the the budding medicos understand that book knowledge will make you a good doctor but self knowledge will make you a great doctor and to understand the difference is very important um it's not so important that we can always make a patient survive we may not let's not play god but we can make him comfortable it's so important very often we miss on that sometimes patients feel comfortable just because they have shared it doesn't always need a pill and this simple thing that sometimes they feel comfortable if we just hold their hand and 
make them feel uh, well we understand your issues we may not be able to address everything so this art of making a person comfortable while he is transiting and at the end of the day to understand in some way to bring it home regardless of belief or non belief that death is after all a transition it's 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 not the end of things it doesn't matter which way we we believe in a religion or don't believe in a religion or this or that religion it's a point of transition so like all transitions uh, we have the unknown and like all unknown things we can approach it with fear or approach it with faith that's a choice we can make so let's approach this transition with faith that whatever is there on the other side uh, or whatever is the state or condition it will be uh, well hopefully a good state and if at all if we want to manage that part that transition we can do it by being in a good state here because one thing we can be sure of is that whatever is my present state is within my control and in all likelihood this present state is likely to prolong after you know when i take the transition so i if i put myself in a good condition now it's quite likely that when i transit i will be in a better state so now how to put myself in that good condition i think i believe each one should be left free and each one has their own way uh, i know people who who love to you know uh, hear music and are in a beautiful condition or you know as that norman cousins famous uh, anatomy of an illness uh, i'm sure we have read it so you know he watched uh, humor movies Uh, and he got into the right condition of healing some people like to play something some people like to i give this exercise that you know let's say that maybe you know you are going to uh, leave the body or transit tomorrow what would you like your other life to be so i give like at least to those who are hindus who believe in uh, some kind of a rebirth Uh, or even in the in, in those who are let's say not hindus but the next state so i i tell them that look you know what would you like forget about what it will be like what would you like so they start imagining you know beautiful things uh, sometimes they say you know i am afraid you know what my life will be like because you know i have done this i have done that so they have time to make uh, amends sometimes you know people are carrying lot of knots inside so i i tell them that you know how about simply at this point of time um uh, just forgive those who are you know whom you have not been able to do so you know and amazing you know i have seen people after decades you know one lady who was a famous you know uh, russian actress and then a french uh, uh, actress and uh, uh, she she was separated from her husband and toward the end she tells me one day i used to go and see her once a week she tells me you know what i made a wonderful discovery and she was very happy that day so i asked her what is the discovery and she said you know what i have forgiven my husband <laughs> so that was very sweet of her i said why what i mean it's a good thing you have done but what made you feel that she said well you know i remembered the lines of the gita she she had started reading the gita and you know was understanding it very beautifully uh, i suppose when people are in a moment of crisis they are very open to spiritual truths Uh, because you know uh, that that's also a moment of intense con- concentration when they take a relook at their lives and we can help them to take a relook from another angle she said i realized the truth of the gita that we are all bound by our nature so it's okay i mean uh, he was bound by his nature i am bound by my nature 
so why should i carry the grouch so i think this idea this uh, this uh, help we can give them in opening up their knots in some way or the other they are carrying lot of baggage and i think it's it's very good to help people undo some of these knots they are guilty sometimes that you know because of me so many people are suffering uh, especially those who are terminally ill when they see their relatives are you know running up and down spending money and all these things so uh, maybe we could involve the relatives in smoothing this process uh, otherwise they are full of anxieties it doesn't help so i think these are some of the thoughts which i would like to share and of course there are many other things uh, you know if we have uh, maybe we can interact uh, and then take it from there yes uh, balindu bhai if something very specific yes uh, you have some more faculty members who have joined okay wonderful somshekar is from pediatrics okay glad right right and other postgraduate students so 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 my pranam to everyone and I, i'm sure you know some of these things everyone has encountered and possibly uh, we evolve our own ways but uh, i feel it's very important to put the patient in a state of uh, comfort inner comfort and uh, quietude uh, if we can just ensure a beautiful atmosphere around them whether through music through our own inner state uh, by you know somebody who is a caregiver around them i think it will be wonderful i am talking right now about those who are probably you know uh, terminally ill but it's in general good for all patients something which we don't normally you know it's it's not given enough attention because it's a ward where there are sick people so uh, to to put it a bit uh, paradoxically maybe ward should become temples but not temple in that sense that there are some murtis and uh, pictures and you know but temples in the sense that they carry an atmosphere of divinity and uh, i don't know i think you have seen our nursing home and one of the things that strikes me there is that how beautiful to just be here and it's because of the atmosphere more than anything else so if we can create that atmosphere maybe every day morning and evening practically to play some beautiful music uh, you know something that's uh, not religious in the traditional sense because something with which something deeper can connect with it uh, it'll be nice if somebody you know if the relatives can be educated that look you know nourish their part they are not just sick people they are people they are persons they are not just sick persons they also have their own inner being and address that so they have a role to play and very often they don't know because they are not educated about it so some kind of a counseling not i'm not saying we can spend a lot of time but as i said maybe a small little booklet maybe the nursing staff can be sensitized sensitized that you know the way you hold a patient's hand the way you speak to the person it all goes into healing and recovery and not just the medicine yes sir you were saying something yeah, yes 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 Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I think, yes. See, uh, I, I think to start with, I mean, I have traveled far and wide and met a lot of people. I think in every institution, uh, there are doctors who are, as I said, are great doctors. Not because they are acknowledged or Nobel laureates, but because their presence brings comfort. And I have seen these doctors are those who have a lot of compassion, who understand the human enigma. They are not just treating, a, as I said, a patient. But they are t- treating a human being and they are very sensitive to what human beings go through, their vulnerabilities and every institution because there are people, may- maybe one, two. I mean, of course, uh, you are very fortunate that you have almost a group where people are more and more sensitive. But uh, these are the, um, uh, the these are the spearheads of an institution. But at the same time, it is uh, true that not all institutions have a kind of, you know, this kind of care institutionalized or ingrained. Exactly. That was yeah. So, so, yes. Yes. So, uh, I, I remember just, uh, you know, two or three places. For example, in Ames, once uh, there, was a, uh, there was a center started called as Integral Health. Uh, but that was because of, you know, Dr. Ramesh Bijlani's effort and his tuning to yoga. And he had started on his own. So, patients who were... Um, either terminally ill or even other kinds of illness. So he was offering this kind of a um, uh, holistic care. And, and you know, uh, in, in that sense, uh, there was a lot of work being done. Then in Jipmer itself, recently they have started this where they are uh, beginning to, um, many of us have gone, I have myself gone to the undergraduates uh, and sensitizing them to the human dimension and the deeper dimensions of a human being. So it is it is started. And, and I suppose there are many more which are uh, probably, uh, I may not know. But another, for instance, for departed. I remember when I was writing my book on death, dying and beyond, then somebody had come from Spain and he said, oh, this is wonderful because in our hospice care, we do play music for the departed. So, you know, it was a very different way of connecting and preparing them. So whenever somebody was departing, they would come and play some, you know, very one of the famous well-known music and it was a way to, you know, bid them goodbye. So in every, uh, in in many places, uh, some way or the other it is coming. But still, uh, I must say that there is a lot of stronghold uh, of, you know, uh, the, the old kind of paradigm and it takes different forms. One of the typical forms is that, well, we agree all these are very nice things, but who has the time? Now, well, if we put that, uh, I believe that let's start maybe in a small way. It doesn't matter. Let's sow a seed. Maybe generations later will reap the fruits. So so, uh, so I, I do believe that it's it may not be possible every day. Let's prepare the soil. Maybe some of us are there just to prepare the soil. So there are institutions... Um, um, I mean, like for instance, I worked in Command Hospital Bangalore, where some of these things were being attempted in Institute of Aerospace Medicine Bangalore. So where I was involved, there we used to take up, you know, some kind of a yoga uh, training, not just the physical yoga, but the other side to all the students who were coming regularly. So we even had a yoga cell. So there are different ways people can start it. And uh, in my view, one of the simplest way. Uh, direct way to start it is through a lifestyle clinic. So, you know, that's where different fields and faculties can be involved and that lifestyle should include attitudes. And if uh, students can be made to get an exposure, of course, they read in the book, 
डायबिटीज इज ए लाइफ स्टाइल डिजीज एंड यू नो हाइपर टेंशन इज लाइफ स्टाइल डिजीज बट एट द एंड ऑफ द डे दे एंड ऑफ प्रिस्क्राइबिंग ड्रग्स बिकॉज दे हैवेंट रियली बीन प्रॉपरली सेंसिटाइज बिकॉज इट्स द जॉब ऑफ द डायटिशियन समबडी एल्स नॉ डायटिशियन जस्ट गिव्स अ चार्ट सो आई थिंक इट विल बी नाइस इफ यू नो पीपल कैन स्टार्ट ए लाइफ स्टाइल क्लिनिक वेयर इन दे लर्न नॉट ओनली अबाउट द डाइट Uh, or the outer aspects of diet but also about the inner attitudes the conditions in which we eat sleeping everything else and that would be a great help and maybe just a small start A- and sometimes i feel it's good if it has not been done anywhere it's good to be a pioneer <laughs> i often quote this example of your own institute you know when i travel and people ask me this question so your institute i quote because you know in many ways why not be a pioneer and who knows you know so that's how it should be yes that that's fundamental as i said a doctor should be a yes see it cannot be done theoretically like like you can't tell a doctor that please tell him something about the gita no one has to grow oneself and i think this aspect of education uh, in some way should be there maybe formalized an inner growth inner dimension and one way is to you know uh, expose them to people or places where they can develop or they learn there is another way of looking at the human phenomena i won't even use the word body but human phenomena maybe few will take it pick it yes 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 Yes. 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 See what we can do is see I believe that you know all these things are deep inside within us. Now why do we need special practices like yoga nidra or guided imagery which is another uh, thing which is being used you know like there are places in the world which have started you know uh, these kind of uh, guided imagery sessions and Uh, i think rupert sheltrake he was one of those who did a lot of studies on this uh, in germany in us they they are trying all these things but i believe special practices are required because we don't know how to connect with it very naturally so if we can create an atmosphere possibly the patient's own inner being will take over so that is something within our hands it may be difficult to select a group of you know patients and teach them yoga nidra some may be ready some may not and you know it needs time it needs uh, uh, it's it's not easy given a busy curriculum but if we get it into the work culture that let's uh, make this place uh, beautiful if you know with the sisters with the ward staff if we carry everyone together you know from the sweeper to everybody maybe once in a month or once in six months we sit together and say that look we are all involved in the patient care and the sweeper who cleans the ward is as much a stakeholder and he has his own say and then we just uh, you know try to create a beautiful atmosphere 
maybe through music as i said every day maybe you know um, of course flowers are not always advisable in a hospital environment you know they carry infection but at least the people when they come and approach so one of the things which i tell um, you know i'm looking after this uh, um, this desire home where the elderly inmates are there so i tell the sisters that look you know you you may have your issues you have your issues i understand but try to understand somebody who has lived you know on earth for 70 75 years it's not easy it means the person has gone through many challenges treat them with respect and dignity that's the minimum it's due to them tomorrow we'll be in their shoes second thing i try to always tell them that approach with a smile you you know you don't have to be rude and harsh you sometimes you cannot fulfill everything which a patient is expecting maybe sometimes the patient may be unreasonable they can be they are they are angry they are going through phases but we can address their concerns with a smile we don't have to you know get caught up with their anger so i think if this kind of an exposure time to time takes place at some time it will sink and then it will naturally put patients in a state which is conducive to healing many things like you know nowadays the use of smartphones when we are you know there are simple bedside manners we need to include it that you know when we are dealing with a patient imagine if i am a patient and suddenly you know uh, the doctor you know gets a smartphone message and goes on to it i am just giving an example those few minutes of involvement with the patient maybe 2 minutes 3 minutes doesn't matter should make the patient feel connected these are small things which some sometimes are missing because everybody is busy discussing so patient is just a mute uh, observer and spectator who doesn't understand what's happening so maybe just holding the hand maybe just looking into his eyes i mean these are small things of course yognitra and special practice are there but i think more important is sensitizing the staff and the uh, and and the doctors and the students students in the future that medicine is much more than books and marks and technology yes 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 i i know i remember you introduced yeah you must be encountering a lot of challenges sir isn't it yeah yeah we face several challenges yes yes so yes so that's right so you know that's what i meant when i said you know doctors can't play god because we are not gods unfortunately patients invested us with a kind of faith which we cannot live up to and they feel sometime that we will do some wonder some miracle and i think uh, what is good is uh, what we can do as i said we cannot always cure you know let's accept the natural limitations sometimes when we start believing we can do wonders and we start pushing we intervene a lot and perhaps to the detriment and you know to the faster decline of a patient i'm sure you know you must have seen that but what we can always do is to comfort to be humane to be just compassionate we understand that you know he is going through something and possibly uh, none of us can help so i'll give you an example um, one of the patient who said you know uh, i feel so helpless so now you know spontaneously something uh, came out i said well you mean you feel like a baby 
said yes yes i feel like a baby helpless i said yes and what does a baby do so baby has to just learn to trust that there is someone or something who is there holding the baby now once they get this seed idea then we can use an image that look you know you you think that you are surrounded by a benevolent presence maybe by the divine maybe by 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 mother divine maybe by god maybe by uh, by all the good wishes and goodwill of everybody you know if somebody doesn't believe that look maybe by the love of those who love you and you nestle in that so of course we all uh, understand that it's a state of helplessness but even that state can be made comfortable by this idea that i'm not really fully alone in my inner being i am connected with the whole creation and everybody's goodwill is there with me this is one second is that you know another big challenge with us as human beings is we are so used to you know taking charge taking control of life doing something or the other that we feel oh i am i am useless you know i am just a bundle of bones now um, this idea that no you can do a lot even when you are apparently doing nothing of course this derived from a deep yogic truth and a buddhist practice but uh, you know without bringing in uh, yogic terms i just tell them that look you know when you are in the morning when you wake up you can think about your body which you know the attention will go naturally but maybe you can also send a thought of love and goodwill and health and care to everybody there a lot of people like you maybe you can because you are going through this uh, deep pain you can pray uh, that may this world become beautiful may you know uh, those who are in pain find relief to their suffering and of course it will come back to you but even apart from that you know the famous Uh, prayer that we learnt as a as a child sarve bhavantu sukhina sarve santo niramya now we need not use the sanskrit mantra it's it's not important but something that comes from the heart somebody who has gone through difficulty uh, is ready for compassion they are very receptive as i said to deeper things and uh, finally as i said instead of all the time focusing on the bodily condition which is fast deteriorating to focus on nourishing their soul so it can start with a very uh, simple question like so how do you do so they speak about pain and all that and then i would proceed like you know that's fine we understand you know your body is going through difficulties but how about you now it's a very indirect way of you know uh, um, putting this idea that you are not necessarily your body now in yoga people practice it over a period of time but at the point of you know when people are facing death they are actually they can advance very fast they catch this idea you know well i am not my body i can still be fine inside even though my body is you know experiencing pain and then i can teach them i i do tell them that look you know try to practice it try to separate yourself from the body from the sensations become an observer and a witness so this gives them a vantage point that look they they are not necessarily this body with all its suffering and pain and it helps a lot to transit it relieves their suffering to a great extent provides comfort and same thing i tell to the relatives that don't just focus on the body which is anyways going to pieces you know it's like when a house is going to pieces you don't cry and lament you try to salvage what you can salvage that's the most logical thing to do and uh, salvage the inner being that is salvageable so when when a house is this uh, one example that i you actually use that you know look if your house is actually burning so what would you do so you'll say i'll save myself i said wonderful what else if you had time i'll save the most precious thing 
So what's the most precious thing about you other than the body? So patients come up with very wonderful things. I mean, I don't have any answer in my mind at that point of time. I leave it to them and some come with, uh, come up and say, the love I have felt in life for others. And I say, save it. Keep that love. Give that love. Radiate that love. Send this love to everyone. So they realize the worth of many things other than the physical, which they had with them, but they probably didn't value because, you know, life was too preoccupied with physical needs. So this, these are things we can do. Maybe, as I said, with nice music, if they can gently, you know, be... Uh, sometimes if, if they don't like, say, let's say we have ragas and mantras, but uh, sounds of nature are very healing. Just sounds of the sea, sounds of gentle breeze. It's very healing. And sometimes, you know, I can give them this exercise uh, that, you know, think about that, you know, this with the sound of the sea, that you are actually near a sea and you're floating on the sea. So think that you are, you know, being supported by the sea. And once they practice it, then this sea can become a sea of consciousness, a sea of light, a sea of peace. So step by step. So this is one thing, you know, they can actually do. So the idea is that they should not feel that they are helpless victims and the only person who can do something is the doctor with his magic drug. Well, we don't have magic drugs. So we, we need to disabuse the mind from this idea and tell them that, well, doctor does his best. He's trying to do his best. But there is a lot more you can do, which you should do and which you must do. So you are part of the, you know, team. The, the healthy part of the patient is as much part of the healing process as the doctor and the staff and the nurse and the sweeper as everybody else. So, so it's one team. So the, these are things which, uh, you know, I tell them. Sometimes there are specific imageries that, you know, tell yourselves, talk to your body, tell yourselves that, you know, not to worry, uh, it's, it's okay. Tell them to be in peace, call down peace. So these are images which I often give to these patients. And I have seen some very, very fantastic results. Uh, you know, um, uh, uh, two years back, somebody had a pancreatic cancer and uh, though he was operated upon, he developed again ascites and doctors said, well, they were on the verge of Jipmer case, uh, put him on, I mean, our ashram patient, but uh, treated at Jipmer. And finally, it was like, uh, well, let's use uh, now morphine because, you know, he's in, in that state and everybody was wondering uh, how to get a regular supply of morphine for him. And he was brought back to nursing home because nothing more could be done and you know, it was like given up. And the doctors had declared, the GI surgeon, that maybe maximum six months is the uppermost limit. And every day I would meet him and, uh, uh, you know, not talk about the illness. But I said, look, your whole body, your being, offer it. It's a, it's a holocaust of the divine. So uh, you become the Yagnavedi and uh, let your whole being be offered at the feet of the divine. Whatever the divine wants, leave it to him. Of course, this is a person who has been sensitized to yoga. So there is a difference. But uh, in, in some ways, there are many persons who have latent uh, such insights, but we may not know them. And uh, slowly, slowly, first the fear went away, then ascites disappeared, his appetite picked up. Uh, two days back, I had a, you know, a meal at his home. We all shared ice cream and a lot of good time. I mean, he, he is fine by, by the grace and nobody knows how. So, you know, I am seeing such things. Only thing is, I am sure everybody sees, but sometimes we don't document. Also because there is so much focus on the body. So, so we are giving so many messages to the body. On one side there is the doctor giving drug and also giving the message, maybe it's hopeless. You know, depending on the thought in the mind. Then there are sisters 
who are pitying sometimes the patient giving uh, other messages the relatives who are giving the body messages of oh he is not going to survive the patient himself his mind is giving messages to the body so the body is pretty confused sometimes if we don't focus so much on the body but on the inner being but do what we need to do for the body by way of medication the body will probably find a way to heal itself we should allow it uh, and trust that it has its mechanism which we don't understand now after all spontaneous remissions are known they are very few fine maybe they'll multiply in the future so to keep that you know keep it open ended Yeah, yes yes please do so like this a 40 year old lady yes terminal cs service yes visually challenges okay lost a child years back and years old child and the child is mentally challenged how do we go about healing this lady yes so first is that sometime yeah yes yeah yes it does it doesn't matter Yes, yes so it's important for for the patient what i would start with somebody like this as i said though each case is different but let me say that you know uh, to an extent that let me put into that 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 atmosphere of of such a lady so i would start with asking her to take a look at her life what does a life really mean what is the life story now very often there is an inner story running behind the outer story which is not visible nobody knows sometimes i have seen strange things that patients had wishes that you know it's better if i die but when they are actually confronting with the real issue where they are going to take a transition they are afraid about it so sometimes it's good to reconnect with this inner story which has been lost in the external story and then i tell them that look if you had to connect the inner dots of your story what would you like to do now how would you like to be i mean there is a term i use for this constructing your future so for a moment forget about you know the illness as i said the liver and all other things how would you like your future to be so if there were no conditions and no issues how would you like it to be then they sometimes come up with fantastic things and in the process they sometimes also discover with a aha feeling oh perhaps uh, death is simply a transition towards that which i have always aspired for but could never be now this could be one insight but uh, i would not leave it at that uh, i sometimes tell them that what is preventing you from realizing let's say somebody wanted to learn music okay you have few days or many days or months or years we don't know so why don't you start so they have you know given up so they say okay i can't play doesn't matter you can start listening you can start hearing trying to differentiate whatever uh, in in everybody there is a point where life is at its maximum Uh, passion you know it's a passion of life uh, which gives us the will to live and the joy to live we have to touch that point unfortunately for many patients it has been lost because by the time people are past 30 they are crusted over because you know uh, everybody is into job and earning and family so they have forgotten who they are what their passion was so it's good to connect and then to whatever extent they can do let them do let them start so when patient asks these questions about future i say we don't know we don't nobody can say i i i am neutral on that i don't know you know there is no question of giving false hope but also there is no question of giving a prognostication which you know there is always a ifs and buts so i tell them look nobody knows the future but the present is known to us there is something we can do let's do what is in our hands so with this lady i would take her on a journey 
which is other than the illness. Now, regardless of how many days she has, at least she will progress to the extent she can. Now, if in the bargain she recovers, wonderful. But I agree that, you know, we are not God. Even God allows people, after all, it's his place. So, so um, even God would allow the transition. So, But at least a transition will be meaningful and she would feel a life is meaningful. Maybe she may feel that the last few days of my life were the best ones. We don't know. So that, that's how I would proceed. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thank you, Okay. Yes. I am sure all of you are aware and, and very frankly, uh, it's an example for all of us. What all of you are doing is, uh, is remarkable. I must say it is, it is rare and that's why I feel... Uh, it's one thing to be a follower, quite another to be a pathfinder and a pioneer. So hats off and heartfelt naman to all all of you, your team, and my very best prayers. Wonderful work. It's a path-breaking work, but it'll be good to document these things. Maybe it will pave the way for the future. Okay. Thank you.